I can diagnose myself daily, but we don't do that, right? Because yeah. that that gives bully brain ammunition to be like, see, don't do that. Bestie brain's like, exactly what you said, Tina. Girl, you got this. In this episode, we'll talk about quitting a corporate job to live in Africa, panic attacks, and having no regrets taking the leap. We'll dive right into Leslie Randolph's courageous story, understand her process, and what tools she used to overcome everything. Please be sure to listen in to hear all the details. Hello, my wonderful beasties. It's Tina, your host. Welcome to the Courageous Inner Beast. In today's episode, we have Leslie Randolph, who is a self-confidence coach who helps teenage girls and still helps the teenage girl that exists in you. So thank you, Leslie, for joining us. Oh, Tina, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's great to have you here. Um, so what is one creative story that you would like to share with us today? Yeah, so I've I've been in the habit later in life of making courage a habit, if you will, <laughs> certainly as a, a self-confidence coach for teenage girls. Uh, courage is a key component to that, right? Because you have to feel, feel, tap into some courage to take risks and to go live your life. And so, um, I've, I've had to learn to walk that walk if I'm going to talk that talk. <laughs> so the story I'll tell today, um, probably if you, you know, read, read the book of my life, um, my, my most courageous moment, uh, later in life was I moved from Chicago, Illinois, where I had spent my entire life. Um, I'm someone who grew up in a suburb of Chicago, had moved to um, out of state for a couple years for college, but then quickly came back and then chose to raise my family in my hometown. Um, but I moved from Chicago, Illinois to Johannesburg, South Africa, knowing no one and nothing. Uh, I had a one-year-old son at the time and I was pregnant with my daughter when I found out that we were going to be moving, not to, you know, some other state in the U.S., but across the world to South Africa. Um, and in that moment, I had to tap into my courageous inner beast and say, yes, we're going to do this. And yes, I can handle whatever comes our way. Yeah. And... What was the reason that you had to move to South Africa? Yeah, so um, it's actually a bit of a funny story, and I'll, I i don't even know if I had shared this with you. Um, when I was on my third date with my husband, uh, and I was just so smitten. I know people tell that story <laughs> of like, I just knew, but literally I knew when I met him that he was something, and he was going to, I, he, he, he was... You just know, you just know, you just know, you just know. And so uh on the third date, he had said to me, hey, I just want to let you know, um, at some point in my career, I'm going to work overseas. He was very ambitious in his career and wanted to, you know, continue to climb that corporate ladder. And he saw that um, international experience would be something that would set him apart. Now, that was 15 years ago but on that third date this sweet smitten girl was like I'll go anywhere with you where are we going um and then fast forward I mean it was it was many many years later that conversation was a bit of a distant memory 
But that phone call came where he had gotten tapped to run a division for the company that he worked with. Mm -hmm. um, and that was in Africa. And so he called me one day at work. I was just back at work. I think I'd been there for three months after having my son. And I had taken three months off uh, to enjoy those sweet cuddles with him. Yes. And he had said, hey, they offered me South Africa. And I think a, a bit of mommy brain was like, can I quit my job? I mean, that was literally the first thing I said to him because that was where my brain was. And he was like, well, yeah, we'd be moving to South Africa. And I was like, great, congrats. So maybe I was in a bit of shock when he first told me, um, yeah. but it was, it was with his company that we were moving. So we did have the support of um, a relocation company, yeah. but I can promise you that did not support that courageous inner beast. Uh, <laughs> it was almost like a guise of support. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't tangible. It wasn't like a girlfriend that was like, here, let me show you around. And this is where you're going to get your groceries. And this is how you drive on the other side of the road. And this is what the culture is like. And the people are like, that was all up to me. Um, and so while it was a, a company transfer, it was our family going and doing it on our own. And I wasn't going to be working. And that was mm. the first time also in my adult life. And frankly, in my life, I'm someone who's worked since I was 13 years old. Yeah. That I didn't have my career to define me. I didn't have my work to keep me busy. I didn't have that as an opportunity to connect with other working women. Like our life, aside from like income coming in, which thank you to his company, that was like not something I needed to worry about. Um, but other than that, everything else was kind of up to me. And that reality sunk in as the, the move became mm. a reality. Oh, man. Wait, so how did, so how did, was your, like being a self-confident coach, did that happen before like or after? So, oh, no. so, no. You're, oh. so, so that chapter really informed this one. Being mm, able okay. to go overseas, mm -hmm. um, it's actually an interesting story. When, when I got there yeah. um, and I didn't have my career to define me, I'm yeah. at home with a, then he was 13 months by the time we moved. I was six months pregnant. Yeah. Um, it, it was up to me to sort of, I don't want to say reinvent myself because I've always been me. If yeah. you knew, if you knew me, then you know me now, um, <laughs> yeah. but I got to decide who I was going to be in this new chapter of my life without mm -hmm. my past defining me without the the corporate title that I had had for so many years. And if my first reaction was, can I quit my job? You can make the assumption that perhaps I was ready for a change. Yeah. Um, I had been introduced to coaching um, actually before I had met my husband. I had started my personal development journey then. And I remember when I was first introduced to it and I had been in therapy my whole life, okay? <laughs> but when yeah. I found coaching... I heard a voice inside me that said, that's what you should be doing. And I poo-pooed that voice very much because I was like, well, that's just like therapists that didn't hack it. Or yeah. who's a coach? What does that even mean? And so I, I shut it down. And when I moved to Africa, and again, listen, 
courage doesn't exist. It, it doesn't exist alone. Courage no. comes with fear and doubt and all those other fears, right? Um, but you lean into courage to take the leap. And then you lean into self-confidence and self-love to say, I can handle it. Yeah. So when I moved there and I didn't have all of, you know, my, my background to back me up, I hired a life coach because mm -hmm. I was like, I need to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing and like who I am. I felt a bit adrift. And once I hired a life coach, again, that little voice was like, that's what you should be doing. No, exactly no. Like, exactly like them. Exactly yeah, like I wanted to be her. Yeah. So I did. I poo-pooed it. And it wasn't until after we had moved back and I could like look at all that data of like, this keeps coming up for you. You keep feeling this call. Answer yeah. the call, babe. Like, you got this. I mean, and then that took a lot of courage too. Um, but I think the most, the most courageous leap, it started with that one. Yeah. And I think that that's such a beautiful lesson within itself of when you do one thing that scares you, but you lean into that courage, all of a sudden you realize what you are capable of. All of a sudden mm -hmm. you realize that being courageous wasn't wrong. It, it created so much that was right. And so when you take that first courageous step, when you unleash that inner beast, you can't put her back. She, uh -uh, just, she keeps coming. It's out in the world now. You can't do anything. You can't put her back inside. You can't totally. put her back inside. Like, like you said, like just taking that first courageous step, it already has, it's already out in the world. It's already out that whatever you, whatever that you need to do is already out there. You can't, like you said, it's already out. Right. So. It creates momentum, yes. almost, right? You're like, yeah. I did that. I survived it. And believe me, there were many fails. <laughs> and there were many times where, mm -hmm. you know, that courageous inner beast got bruised. Yeah. But, but you just, you keep going. I mean, and you nurse yourself back. And if you need a, a moment of pity and you need to, you know, I sometimes I call it a, a bout of doubt. I sometimes indulge in a bout of doubt. Yes. But I come back to confidence. I come back to courage. Yeah. And also like sometimes what I do is whenever the self-doubt or like the voice, the inner voice telling me, oh, I shouldn't do this. And I tell her, like, girl, I understand. I know you're scared. I love you. But sit your ass down. Okay. Let me do my thing. Let me do what I want to do. I understand you're scared, but you can't, you can't keep holding me back all the time. You know. You just go. Oh, Tina. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I talk to my brain all the time. Yeah. And, and I got, and I got two of them. Sometimes with my teenage clients, I call it your bully brain and your bestie brain. Yeah. Your, your bully brain just wants to keep you safe. And mm -hmm. when she sees you going to be courageous, she sees all the danger of like, what if you go and you make no friends? What if you go? And there were like, if we look at the Africa piece, there were literal concerns. You know, my mother was like, do you know how dangerous it is there? Anyone that Googles South uh, Johannesburg and I had friends and I had my mother being like, you can, you can go there. I didn't Google. It was probably one of the best choices I made. I went and I'm lived so it. happy for you to not to do that. No. Oh my gosh. It's like when you Google a, a medical condition, it's going to go a long gonna... list of like, you have I, I just, I just, I just everything. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Is this true or not? 
listen, I, I can diagnose myself daily, but we don't do that. Right. Because yeah. that, that gives bully brain ammunition to be like, see, don't do that. Bestie mm-hmm. brain's like exactly what you said, Tina, girl, you got this, mm-hmm. you got this. And I got you. We'll be able to handle what happened. Yeah. So that, that bully brain, she, she came when I was going to move to Africa. She came when I decided to leave a very comfortable career that I had known for so many years to go, to go be a confidence coach for teenage girls. Like what? She had a lot to say about that one. Yes. (laughs) She definitely does. Yeah, but Bestie Brain, she's your cheerleader and she's the one that will allow you to, to tap into that courage. I love that. Like having like naming it like a bully brain and then a bestie brain because you're like and you said too like is you're not leaving the bully brain behind you're just bringing her along and just showing her like hey we're are okay like we're good I see yeah. we see it let's just do it together though you know yeah and that's it and that's like like you know bully brain might have a negative connotation right but yeah. I, I'm gonna say this you know I often I tell my kids the bully it's rarely about you, right? It's what's mm-hmm. going on in, for the bully that the bully acts that way. And it's the same with our brain. Our brain's only job is to keep us safe. Yeah. Our job, its only job is to like recognize danger. And so it, it actually is really well-intentioned, right? It's yeah, like, don't sure. do that. That could hurt. Don't do that. You could fail. Don't do that. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Yeah. But that's why bestie brain's so important. She's like, I get all that. Yeah. We're going anyway. Yeah, bully brain doesn't need to go away. I, I, I let... I say, I let her be part of the conversation. I just don't give her the microphone. Yes. You like, just, just sit just w- sit and watch with us, okay? Just watch. <laughs> just sit down and just watch. Get in the backseat. <laughs> yes. You're still there, but don't say anything, okay? It's <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> like, uh, um, yeah, it just, you know, yeah, I totally agree with everything you're mentioning of, like, sometimes you just got to do it. Yeah. He's got to do it. And then just when everything is just going hectic around you, all the chaotic things, sometimes like going to like you moving to South Africa, like mentioning your friends, your family, telling you it's dangerous. Don't go there. It's, it's like, what if you get killed over there? Or like you can't meet people. And or like there's just so many things that could come about. But if we just focus on the good things that, could actually like creating a community there or even making how indulging more of like your family like make, you know being closer as a family unit moving maybe because even though your kids are babies you're still I don't know how they're old now but they're like they're babies they're like oh what is this this is all new you know they're big they're big, they're big babies now yeah <laughs> they're big babies now um but yeah I mean like I, it's it's all just uncertainty, right? And mm-hmm. you better believe like that bully brain does not like uncertainty. Um, but that but that's also the joy of uncertainty. It could, yes, all those things could happen. Yeah. But so could the opposite. And that is what happened because I was able to go and take that tap into the courage. It, it to this date, that chapter of my life, I mean, I could well up in tears was just, one of the best things that has ever happened to me. I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't taken that step. And if I had chosen to believe my family and my friends and that bully brain, then I wouldn't have gone. And if I did go fueled by all that, I wouldn't have been putting myself out there. I wouldn't have created the life that we had. And it was 
beautiful in so many ways. And, and, and it wasn't, and, and it wasn't easy. I think I, I know what I shared this with you when I was there. Um, you know, I think it was within the first year I suffered from, um, tremendous anxiety and, and panic attacks. And, um, I mean, and, and, and was hospitalized. I was in the hospital because of it. So it, courage is, it doesn't get you all the way. You got to then tap into, to more courage will get you there, but then it's resilience, it's commitment, it's consistency, it's confidence that keeps you going. Um, but, but there were a lot of hard times and I, I just, I did, I kept going. And because of that, because of me, right? Yes. <laughs> it, it was just better than I can ever describe. Um, and I'm forever thankful for it. Yes. Wow. And just like, <laughs> no, just like, uh, like, you know, what you have to go through especially the first year of like going through, like you said, going through all the emotions, like, yes, courage is like, you know, it's the first step, but it doesn't take you very far. And because you have to bring in the other things inside, like resilience, consistency, like you said, and perseverance and just to confidence and just to keep it going. And because, yeah, like, just, yeah, just keep it going. And then there'll be moments of courage in there too. We get like, okay, I have to be courage again. And then yeah. like the cycle keeps going, like going around and around of going through and making sure that you're okay, your health is okay, and damn, the, the y'all had to go to, you had to go, you had to be hospitalized going through your so, so here's the story, and for anybody that suffers from anxiety or panic attacks, um, maybe you could, sitting there nodding and relating with me, um, my, my panic attacks would come on in a way that I could not, um, at that time, Differ, differentiate between this is a panic attack. I'm having a panic attack and I'm having a heart attack. So I wasn't mm -hmm. hospitalized. I literally drove myself to the hospital twice until I called in a friend. Cause at that point I had made a friend. Um, and because I thought I was having a heart attack, I, I, I legitimately thought I was having a heart attack, you know, and it presents itself like that. You know, your heart is the palpitations are real. It's very real. Um, and then I would feel like tightness in my jaw and it was, it was like, oh, it's 100% a, a, a heart attack. And when you're in the thick of it, if you don't have tools, it, it's hard to believe it's anything else. And I didn't have tools at that point. Um, and so I did what any responsible person would do if they're having a heart attack. I went to the hospital. Well, I drove myself. If you're having a heart attack, I don't know if you should. I'm not a doctor, but probably driving yourself is not the greatest idea. But I did. I drove myself to the hospital and it was the hospital down the street. Um, and, you know, I, I had some wonderful healthcare experiences in South Africa. So this is not a blanket statement. Um, this was not one of them. I remember being there the second time. And the doctor was like, we see you've been here before. You obviously have nothing but time and money on your hands. So we'll run all the tests that you're asking for but you need mental, you need help. And so while that was not handled in a way that was probably appropriate, um, I, I took the call to action was like, I do, I need help. Now, this was before I had hired the life coach. I had to get, get the panic under control. And I did, I went back into therapy 
And she had said to me, I'll never forget that first session. She goes, so tell me like, what's been going on for you recently? And I was like, well, I moved here from Chicago. I had to quit my job. I just had a baby. And she was like, okay, <laughs> like, let's just stop there. Other than death and divorce, you have just listed the most stressful scenarios of a human's life. Moving is highly stressful. Leaving a job you've known for so long, this is highly stressful. Like, full stop. So I was able to talk to her. I, I hadn't at that point, it wasn't until I actually became a coach that I was able to um, use my tools to manage my anxiety and my panic attacks. And if they work for other people, great. Um, I, I'm Like I said, I'm not a doctor or a therapist, so I wouldn't say that I was. But I was able to tap into that bestie brain, that more rational brain of like, this is a panic attack and you're okay. Mm -hmm. And I would breathe into it. I would lay on my bathroom floor. Mm -hmm. I would sit and breathe and say, this is anxiety. I'm feeling anxiety. This is panic. I'm feeling panic, but I'm okay. I didn't have that then. So... Mm -hmm. um, the only rational thing was to go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. Like going, like yeah, if you don't, if you didn't have the tools, what we're already taught is like go to the hospital, go see a doctor. That's the first thing. If your body and like feeling a certain way, like you need to go there so that they can take care of you. So yeah. it makes sense of like that was your first thought, and that it's so amazing now that you have the tools to like talk to your bestie your bestie, you know, bestie voice. It's like, it's okay. You're going through this right now. Just like you said, breathe. You're okay. And, you know, having the tools now. Besides breathing, are there other tools that you use when you're in this, in this during this time too? Yeah. I mean, so when, and, and I've only had, in, in fairness, I've only had one since those days. And that was since I'd moved back from Chicago and I was, starting a new career and creating this new business, this beautiful business that I love so much. And I think my, I felt very out of control and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the anxiety and the panic just came to a head yeah. and I do, I, I name it and I neutralize it of like, mm -hmm. I name what I'm feeling. I focus on where it is in my body. For me, I, my, my heart is pounding. And like, I will say that to me in my head, your heart, your heart is pounding. It's in your chest. There's tightness in your chest. So I, I go into my body. I get out of my head because my head is going to be telling me, you need to go to the hospital. This is a heart attack. <laughs> I learn not to listen to that. I just go into my body. And that has worked for me. Like I said, laying on the bathroom floor it is nice and cold there. <laughs> it is hard and very stable. Yeah. Um, and so that I can just focus on what's going on in my body. And yes, breathing, like deep breaths and just allowing it to take time. I also think that when we're in that state of panic or in any state, we don't even need to go to, you know, the worst case scenario of like a panic attack. But when we're feeling doubt, when we're feeling insecurity, when we're feeling anxiety, those feels that get in the way of courage, um, it it's heavy and it's hard. And so to breathe into it, yeah. can bring you back and just remember that it's just a feeling that's happening in your body versus getting in your head about why you're feeling that way. Once you're out of it, <laughs> then you can go into your head. Then you can bring Bestie Brain into it. She doesn't even need to be part of it right now. You just go into your body. You breathe, name it, 
neutralize it and remind yourself you are okay. In that moment, I was okay. I was in my house. There was nothing wrong. I was not unsafe. Um, And I could tell myself that, but that was the only thought I went with. Not what's wrong with me? What thought do I need to be thinking right now to feel better? And it's just like, I'm just going to feel it. I'm going to ride the wave. Yeah. And I didn't need to rush it. Yeah. Probably, I, I didn't I didn't time it, but it was it didn't last that long. <laughs> yeah. And it's like that's such a great way to, you know, go with it. Like go with like don't even think about it. Just like first thing you should do is like feel your body. And like you said too, it when you and you when you neutralize it, like you talk to it and you neutralize it, then your brain is not as foggy anymore. It's not so it's not throbbing. Cause sometimes it has to me too when when there's something going on so much for me, like my head is throbbing, throbbing, throbbing. So I just like, okay, breathe. And then I can feel my head feeling a little clearer. And like you said, once this neutralizes, then you can start thinking because your brain is already clear enough that it's not as foggy anymore. So yeah, you know, it makes sense of just need to soothe our body first in order to like start thinking what to do, what to do next and all that kind of things. And so I can I couldn't agree anymore with that. And so yeah, yeah. I, really- I think another tool that's helpful for those who are looking for it is to look into tapping. I have had the experience of doing tapping with uh, a wonderful coach named Melanie Fay, um, and that that has helped me as well. When I'm I'm in one of those doubt bouts and and I'm very much in my head, it gets you kind of out of your head and into your body, and and sometimes that's where you need to be. Um, courage, I, in my mind, courage comes from up here. That won't, that one you need to cultivate, right? You can't sit around waiting for your body to bring you courage. That comes from your thinking. And that is, I I believe courage is fueled by self-confidence, loving and believing in you and saying, you got this and I got you. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. But when you are in, in the thick of an emotion, uh, tapping can also be a, a really helpful tool. Yeah. Thank you for so much for sharing that, the tools that you use and also what um, what our listeners could use too, because I think that would definitely help them significantly. And so, yeah. yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Leslie, for joining in and just sharing your, your story. And do you, to end it all in together as a wrap, um, what is your quote, favorite quote that you would like to share our listeners to take away with? I'll, I'll lean into the one that I, I just gave and, and it, is, it is my own. It's always, you know, you got this and I got you. Mm-hmm. And I say that to me and it's written on my mirror and I, I, I love a post-it note because sometimes we need reminders from outside of ourselves of like, there is nothing we can't do when we have our own backs and when we are choosing to love and believe in ourselves. And that's not just thinking happy thoughts, right? We don't want to be sitting at home feeling courageous, though you can. I'm like, I can do anything. Ooh, I feel courage. And then you just sit. It's like, allow the courage to then go fuel you to go after your dreams or the life of your dreams or whatever it is you want to create. When you love and believe in yourself, you're going to keep going and you're going to do it. And if you tell yourself, you've got this and I got you, you remember no matter what, you've got your own back. That's really all you need. 
Yeah, it's using courage to take that next step, the take the action will step, not just like you said, not to just sit there, use use the courage to do something. And so I couldn't agree more on that. And so thank you so much, Leslie, and appreciate joining in. So thank you, everyone, for listening in. And if you enjoy this podcast, please hit the follow button wherever you're listening and look out for new episodes every Tuesday on the Courageous Inner Beast. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoy our conversation and would like to get connected with Leslie Randolph, please look in the description for more information and for the links.